Welcome to another episode of the Alter Your Health Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, hello and welcome. We value your time and energy and hope you receive a lot from tuning in. As a listener-supported show, we rely on you to help us grow. We'd be so grateful if you share the show or a favorite episode with a friend or fellow health seeker. Living a healthy and nourishing life doesn't always come easily, especially in today's crazy world. But that's why we're here, doing what we love, hopefully helping you along with information and inspiration that fuels your health pursuits. If you're looking for more support, consider subscribing to the monthly Meal Guide membership. Just $11 per month gets you access to a weekly meal guide filled with healing and delicious whole food plant-based recipes, along with invitations to our regularly scheduled support calls where we can connect, answer questions, and keep the good vibes flowing in our healthy lives. You can learn more at www.alter.health slash meal dash guides. And if you're looking for more in-depth support, check out our other services. We offer both one-on-one consulting as well as educational programs. All of our current offerings are listed at www.alter.health. Our ultimate goal is to empower you to heal yourself. Keeping with that theme, let's dive into today's show. Hey there, and welcome to another Alter Your Health episode medicinal monday happy monday to you all i'm dr benjamin and i'm dr Susanna. and if you don't know we are both naturopathic doctors who support you in optimizing health reversing disease through of course whole food plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine as well as mindset empowerment stuff that we're so obsessed with and love uh but anyway today we are going to be covering everything that you need to know about vitamin D. Because let's face it, vitamin D is kind of a a big thing, like a big topic. But when it comes down to it, we don't need to know that much other than what we need to know. So we're going to be covering all those details and supplementation and what it does in your body and why you need to maintain optimal levels and what those levels are in this conversation today. Yes. But before we do, our biggest announcement right now is that on October 1st, we will be kicking off mm-hmm. our next Alter Health cleanse, our fall cleanse. And so the actual, the first meeting happens on October 1st. The actual cleanse starts on October 3rd, but our cutoff to sign up is that October 1st date. So if you're looking for an awesome food that cleanses the body in a very smart, wise way at a at gentle but mm. deeply powerful way, then this is really that cleanse. Um, this is, I think, maybe the sixth or seventh time oh, we've done a I think group more, cleanse. Much more than that. I think like eighth or ninth. I think, yeah. And we used <laughs> to do it twice a year. Now we do it four times a year because people love it so much. Yeah. Um, but to get more details about that cleanse, go over to alter.health slash cleanse and uh join us before october 1st so now let's talk about vitamin d because i guess we do have a lot to cover and we're gonna start by talking about what it is where it comes from and you probably know that it is the the sunshine vitamin not coming from our food even though it is kind of um fortified in some foods so you know some foods they jam the vitamin into the food, but it's not natural. Naturally, it comes from the sun and our skin activates it. Right. Yeah. And so, well, I guess there are some animal foods that have some amount of vitamin D in it. But when we're talking about plant foods in the context Mm -hmm. of a whole food plant-based diet, 
Yes, it comes from the sun. And even, but the, the point is that even those animal foods, they get it from the sun. Just, right. you know, again, just like everything comes from nature, everything that we need. And if you know all that we know about whole food, plant-based nutrition, then you know that you can get everything from plants and skip the middleman, of course. Um, so yeah, vitamin D comes from the sun. The liver is responsible for activating vitamin D into 25-hydroxy-D3. And then the kidneys are responsible for making it into its most bioavailable form, 125-dihydroxy-2-hydroxy molecules onto the vitamin D3. And then that is what is kind of circulating and active in your tissues, doing all of the important things that vitamin D does do for our body, which we're going to go over. Before we do, we can just kind of look at this image here and see fancy, fancy schmancy, the process of vitamin D activation. For those listening and not watching, you just see that vitamin D is activated in the skin, but then it goes to the uh, D3, goes to the liver where it becomes 25-hydroxy D3, and then to the kidneys where it comes becomes 25, 125-dihydroxy, just like we already said. So just kind of a, a visual. But you wanted to point out something that we've observed clinically, professionally, practically, that the activation of vitamin D3 in the kidneys into 125-dihydroxy D3 requires an important um, cofactor, that being magnesium. Maybe you've heard about the magnesium vitamin D deficiency before. Yeah. I guess we'll dive into it right now since you brought it up. But, yeah. um, but it's pretty common for us to see people who have been supplementing with vitamin D month after month, maybe year after year, and still their vitamin D levels stay low. So what's up with that? Well, if they're also deficient in magnesium, then they're not actually able to convert the D3 or the D2 that they're supplementing with into that calcitriol, into the actual active form of vitamin D in the body. Yeah. It needs magnesium for that final conversion step. So what we actually see is that if these people start taking magnesium supplements, that generally three months later, their vitamin D supplementation actually starts to show their vitamin D levels go up on their blood work. So, And I, I actually wanted to start this conversation by pointing out the fact that vitamin D is one of very few supplements. People kind of talk to, to refer to us as the, the anti-supplement doctors uh, because <laughs> I'm do. just kidding. I just made that up. <laughs> I kind of refer to ourselves as the anti-supplement doctors. Not well, we're not pro supplement. Um, there's a lot of people who are pushing lots of supplements. We recommend them for periods of time when needed, right? We're pro smart supplement usage and pro foundation of health. But the fact is that vitamin D is a necessary supplement. But if we're thinking about magnesium deficiency, if we're thinking about other mineral and nutrient deficiencies, uh, maybe we got to get curious as to why those deficiencies are happening. You know, thinking about digestive health, digestive function, of course, nutrition. You know, are we getting enough nutrients from our foods, et cetera? Yeah. And actually, one of the best ways that you can increase magnesium in the body is through Epsom salt baths. It's a good kind of natural supplementation <laughs> of uh, magnesium through the skin. So, so yeah, 
magnesium is important for vitamin D regulation. And of course, sun exposure is important for vitamin D activation. But at the end here, we'll be talking about supplementation and dosage, dosage, and maybe why even if you are in the sun, you still need to consider supplementing with vitamin D at least through periods of the year. Um, But let's point out the facts in terms of um, vitamin D and its importance in health. Its primary role is actually in regulating calcium levels in the body. Vitamin D promotes calcium absorption from the digestive tract and also calcium retention in the kidneys so that we build up our calcium levels to, of course, maintain things like strong, healthy bones. And we know that vitamin K is important for bone health as well. So are all sorts of minerals and et cetera, et cetera. I think we've talked about bone health before. We'll just put in that vitamin D is an essential nutrient, vitamin, actually hormone. Um, That's really how vitamin D functions in the body. It's more, even though it's called a vitamin, it functions more as a hormone. Um, That's where vitamin D primarily acts. But, you know, there's so much science on vitamin D pointing out how lower than optimal levels of vitamin D, lower than normal levels of vitamin D, deficiency of vitamin D is associated with, of course, osteopenia and osteoporosis and, you know, bone health issues, but also cardiovascular disease, also, you know, vascular, other vascular issues and kidney issues, and of course, um, immune deficiencies, which we'll talk about more, some data as it relates to, you know, coronavirus and COVID stuff. Um, also hormonal regulation, of course, vitamin D is more, uh, functions as a hormone. Um, so it is interplaying and in, in regulating other hormones in the body, such as thyroid hormone, adrenal hormones, and also, uh, leptin and ghrelin, which is of course responsible for maintaining and regulating appetite and satiety. So vitamin D deficiency can be associated with all sorts of wacky stuff, including cognitive impairment and impaired cognitive function, especially as we age. And then of course, um, mood regulation as well. And there's some interesting research around that. Yeah. Yeah. It's an important one. And, um, well, you want, I I actually asked you to, to look up the, the recent research on, I mean, there's literally hundreds, if not thousands of studies in the last year. Right. Um, on, on like, vitamin D and like immune system, the mm-hmm. COVID stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, but you looked it up, so I'm going to let you continue on with it because <laughs> thank you for, for looking it up. Okay. So vitamin D, like we already know, vitamin D is really essential for regulating our immune system, both the innate immune system, the T cell regulated immune response, as well as the, um, adaptive immune system, the B cell or antibody humoral immune response. And really, the the ways that vitamin D functions in immune regulation is decreasing a lot of the pro-inflammatory cytokines that are associated with the immune response. And do you guys remember learning about how uh, maybe you heard the term cytokine storm and really what causes the severe um, disease of coronavirus infection is the quote-unquote cytokine storm? Well, that cytokine storm can proliferate and become an issue in the context of vitamin D deficiency. With sufficient vitamin D levels, we are, you know, controlling and regulating and balancing the 
pro-inflammatory cytokines that cause the issue. Um, that's really an, an interesting thing. The immune system just does what it does, but it's like dropping bombs and stuff and all that nuclear fallout in the body is what causes a lot of the issues of infection in many cases. And of course, in the case of COVID as well. Um, vitamin D is associated also with increased production of direct antimicrobial, antibacterial, and antiviral proteins um, that supports the T cells in, optim in, in um, functioning properly and doing what they need to do. And then it just regulates all the other immune cells, the B cells, the T cells, the macrophages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. So, I mean, Ben just brought in a bunch of really fancy uh, immunology lingo, all these different yeah. types of white blood cells. But the big takeaway is that COVID severity is directly correlated with vitamin D status and that the yeah. most severe cases, those individuals were deficient in vitamin D. Yeah. In fact, I mean, like <clears throat> I said, there's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of studies on vitamin, looking at vitamin D status and, um, you know, coronavirus, COVID outcomes and severity. And it's pretty crazy how direct the correlation is between vitamin D status and disease severity. In other words, people who have high optimal vitamin D status really don't get severe symptoms. They might get kind of the cold and flu-like symptoms. People who have deficiency are the ones who land in the ICU and require vet mechanical ventilation and stuff like that. Um, and some studies have even said that 100% of the people who, you know, the pop, they look at a population of a few hundred people, you know, there's bigger studies, but some of the smaller ones looking at a few hundred to a thousand people say that like 100% of people who die of COVID have a vitamin D status below 20. And like, if you have, and, and nobody in some populations, nobody dies if your vitamin D status is above 50. Of course, if you, there, there probably have been people who've died of COVID with vitamin D status above 50, like, you know, a hand, handfuls. But when we're looking at the big scheme of things, it's that strong, the evidence um, supporting optimizing vitamin D status. And yeah. unfortunately, this is, even though there's so much research, unfortunately, for whatever reason, maybe you can think of a few. I know I can. It doesn't really make its way to uh, any sort of public health policy, right? Um that's obviously a conversation for another day. Uh, but let's talk about why people, are, like why there is an epidemic of vitamin D deficiency. And um, one of the reasons is because we need to be in the sunshine and people are not in the sunshine. And also for darker skinned individuals, for more melanated individuals, blacks and Hispanics and even Asians who have more melanin in their skin, they need to spend even more time in the sun, in the proper sun, that is, in order to activate um, vitamin D and to maintain optimal levels. So for, you know, darker skinned individuals who live at higher latitudes, they're really at the highest risk of severe disease. Um, and just a fun fact about that latitude, um, it's kind of, there's a little bit of gray area here, but people say that the 37th parallel of latitude, which is actually right around Los Angeles, anyone living north of that 
requires vitamin D supplementation at least November through March. So at least kind of the, the, um, the winter months. Um, so that's us here in Colorado. And that's exactly what we do. We, even though we're in sunny Colorado, right? Even though in this, in the winter time, we're still outside the sun that we are uh, exposed to isn't at the proper angle interfacing with our skin to active, to properly activate vitamin D in the skin. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, so the other thing, Oh, the other thing. The other thing that is, so there's this epidemic of vitamin D deficiency due to being indoors, due to being uh, at lower latitudes, whatever, 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 not supplementing enough. But also what causes vitamin D deficiency is actually obesity or excess fat because vitamin D is a fat-soluble hormone fat-soluble vitamin, the X-cycle hormone that is sequestered in fat cells. So there's a lot of strong research that shows how people with excess fat on their bodies are at a very much higher increased risk of vitamin D deficiency, therefore likely needing to maybe even supplement with more than what a normal weight, healthy weight individual might supplement with. And then there's the, the magnesium, back to magnesium thing as well. Right, right. I mean, there's also theories as well um, that that essentially say that if someone is in a chronic state of maybe a chronic viral infection or with chronic toxicity and their body uses, like goes through their vitamin D storage quicker. Or maybe goes also, through their magnesium stores quicker. Right. Or it could be that, that they're all, that those people are going to be more prone to um, vitamin D deficiency. So that's kind of the, you know, immune system, of course, back to the fact that, you know, vitamin D is essential for optimizing, regulating our immune response, whether it's against a coronavirus or a flu virus or the, uh, you know, whatever else, whatever else, uh, Epstein-Barr or cytomegalovirus or AIDS or HPV, it's that we need our vitamin D. So let's talk about, let's end this conversation talking about supplementation because that's kind of what we're alluding to. Unless you're right along the equator, just hanging out in your flippy, flippy floppies and, you know, bikini all day long. <laughs> Probably, you don't have to be out in the sun all day, just FYI. <laughs> but if you, unless you are around the equator and don't need that supplementation, let's talk about what the optimal levels are that we need in our in our body in order to carry out all the important things that vitamin D does and how to achieve that with supplements. Yeah. Yeah. So the reference range for most lab reports are right around 20 to 80 nanograms per milliliter. That's a yeah. pretty big range. Um, but really when you look closer at the science, the, the more ideal range is at least 40 to 50 is really optimal. And it's a controversial thing. You know, yeah. you ask some doctors and they say, oh, 30 is fine. Mm -hmm. But then you look at some of the research and it's like people above 40 or 50 or 60 are have really like high protective uh, effects. Right. But then you don't want that level to go too yeah. high because then you could start getting symptoms of vitamin D toxicity. Unfortunately, this is kind of common because people don't understand oh, that. So, you know, I mean, it's I not super common. common, but I've seen it happen yeah. where, you know, people 
kind of forget that that vitamin D they're supplementing with every day does bioaccumulate in their body because it is a fat soluble vitamin. Um, so, you know, the, yeah. the supplementation is a little bit, you know, there's some details to know about it. So what we generally recommend for people to maintain, like say that you get your vitamin D test done and you're at 45 or 50, you're in kind of that optimal range in order to maintain that with supplement. Um, we, it's kind of agreed upon that about a thousand IU international units per day is more or less what we should be shooting for, for maintenance. And that's if we're not being exposed to vitamin D. So again, we can maintain vitamin D status in the proper latitude with proper sun exposure, which I didn't dig into the research, but I think it's just 10 to 20 minutes a day, like on like a small surface area of your skin is all you need to activate vitamin D under the proper exposure conditions. Yeah. But you know, you bring up a good point that we haven't talked about yet, which is testing that it's a really good idea to get that testing of once course. a year it's, to check in. Otherwise you don't know what the best dosage is for you really. Right. So first step test, second step, if you're in optimal, uh, do 1000 IU per day, especially in the winter months. And if you're suboptimal, say that you're 20 and you want to raise to 40 or 50, um, the, the general rule of thumb is to do about 1000 IU per day in surplus for any, for every 10 points that you want to raise. So if you want to go from 20 to 40, or if let's say you want to go from 20 to 50, then, you know, that 1000 IU is the maintenance dose. So that'll keep you at 20. But if you want to go to 50, then you do 3000 IU per day extra. So about 4,000 international units per day. And then you want to do that just for about three months through, you know, two to four, three, four months. And then you want to retest. And um, because you don't, you know, 4,000, you don't want to really take that kind of dose indefinitely. You know, obviously you might be okay for a year or, or two, uh, but that you could develop toxicity mm-hmm. with a dose of 4,000, not so much, but in this kind of climate, a lot of people are thinking, oh my gosh, I need to take vitamin D. Vitamin D is good, then I must take a bunch because more of a good thing is a good thing. And when we get into higher doses for more than a week or two, that's really when we get into potential risk of toxicity. Yeah. And there are different dosing schedules. Like, for example, I I hear this a lot. Someone is deficient. Their doctor gives them a prescription of like 50,000 IU per week or whatever it is. And um, so there are different dosing schedules. But in general, this is this is my preferred way of increasing vitamin D levels. More precise. And um, yeah, you bring up a good point. Since vitamin D is a fat-soluble compound, we actually don't need to take it every day. And that's my personal way of relating with supplements in general is taking a, a bigger dose once a week or so. So you could think about, you know, 10,000 give or take IU per week in order to do a, for maintenance, you know, seven to 10,000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's helpful to know. And then... Let's talk for a second about that kind of acute phase 
dosage to support and stimulate the immune system because that's a very common thing you brought up i've heard of people taking like 50,000 iu per day for like a few days and i think 50,000 is a when little they're sick. when they're sick you're talking about when they're sick on kind of the early signs of infection i think 50,000 is a little much for my kind of comfort level mm -hmm. but 10,000 you know 10 to 20,000 iu per day for five days, any longer than a week is definitely like into risky territory. But again, on those kind of early signs of infection, upping the dosage to 10,000 a day, you know, 20,000 a day, but then coming back down to your maintenance dose after five days, seven days. Again, there's a lot of gray area here, depending on your biochemistry, your baseline status, et cetera. Yeah, so that's, you know, thank you, Ben. That awesome, awesome run through. I don't I want to bring up one more, one more kind of point of view that um we've heard, which is that well, vitamin D is, you know, acts as a hormone. So to supplement with vitamin D is kind of like taking exogenous hormones. And do we really want to do that? Do we really want to mess with our delicate endocrine system in that way. And, um, and there's also, you know, I, I remember learning from like Tim Popper that even some studies show that, mm -hmm. that really, if you supplement with vitamin D, it doesn't really help with like osteoporosis that much. It doesn't really help in, huh. in reversing osteoporosis, you know, so there's some arguments against supplementing with vitamin D. Um, but, and, and those arguments are kind of coming from this point of view of like, you need to look at what the underlying cause of the vitamin D deficiency is. Like, is it some other micronutrient deficiency like magnesium or is it some other kind of underlying disease process happening? And, and I totally hear that and understand that. And, and I, I see that point of view, but at the same time, I kind of err on the side of like supplementation because as we've seen here, um, it really makes a difference for yeah. in, for the immune system and infections to have um, a good optimal vitamin D status. I'm sure we could dive into 20 or 30 more minutes of debate in terms <laughs> of that that controversial view, viewpoint, but it's generally agreed upon that vitamin D is one of those vitamins, which says that's essential. Don't get food. Um, and that we get from the sun, but unfortunately due to current lifestyle, environment factors, et cetera, we must rely on supplementation and in most cases, at least for some parts of the year. So that's kind of the, the long and the short of it, the take home. And, um, I guess the big take home is to get yourself tested and figure out where you are because it matters. And again, 40 to 50 or 60 is nanograms per milliliter is kind of that optimal range that we should shoot for maintaining. Great. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Medicinal Monday on the Alter Your Health podcast. Just another reminder about that cleanse starting on Friday. If you'd like to join us, you can check out and learn more at www.alter.health slash cleanse. And any other word? Dr. Suzanne. That's it. That's all for now. <laughs> Peace and love. See you guys next time. Bye for now.